and welcome to Belonging Before Believing, where we're hard pouring our beers and sneaking around with friends. I'm Patrick Mathers, pastor of Sovereign Joy Christian Fellowship, and across the table from me is... Brian Gumpy, elder, Sovereign Joy Christian Fellowship. What up, dude? So I know why we're hard pouring our beers, because... Because we're civilized and we're not savages. Well, you just spilled some of my beer all over the place with your fancy hard pour, but... Pro tip. Hard pour your beers. It's true. Okay? It stresses Do me it. out, but you you're don't not wrong. Want, look, if you hard pour your beer, what are you going to get? A ton of foam. But think about it. If you just drink it right out of the bottle or you nicely, gently pour it, all that foam's going in your gut. You're going to be wrecked. You're going to be wrecked from that foam. Don't do it. Hard pour your beers, folks. Pro tip. Your belly will thank you later. He's not wrong. Your belly, your significant other will thank you later. (laughs) It's good for everybody involved. It stresses me out when you do it, though. Because I kind of enjoy that. Aspect. I know. I did spill yours a little bit. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, not a substantial amount. So why are we sneaking around with friends? Ah, because it was your birthday a while back. Oh gosh. And when it was your birthday, we number one we did two sneakies, right? Yeah. The first sneaky was we went and we bought you a grill, and everybody on our Monday night Bible study at Secret Trail Brewing pitched in. And bought you this super nice grill. So me and Riggs went and bought it and then came here to your house and put it together. And you came home kind of at the tail end. Right. We, all, we had it almost together. You guys can't see me shaking my head that they did that for me. But Then secondly, okay, we, we sneakily got you that present. Then the next day, we, I said, hey, dude, I want to go out and get birthday beers. So we went to the tap room and we got a, a couple of beers there. And then you said to me, hey, dude, you've never been to B Street yet. Let's go to B Street and get, what are they called? Danky fish tacos? No, <laughs> Danky. stinky dirty tacos. Danky fish. Dirty street tacos. I'm what are they called? No, time out. <laughs> so on the menu, yeah. they're chicken trashy street tacos. They're, okay. From now on, <laughs> they will be called Danky fish tacos. <laughs> The day fish tacos. Sir, they're chicken tacos. I know. Shut up and serve me. <laughs> Shut up and take my money. I want the danky fish tacos. <laughs> so we went to B Street. On the whole way there, I know Andrew, who was with us too, was thinking the whole time, okay, Pat's got a plan. He's going to get us back to your house because the reason why we took you out is there was a surprise party forming here at your house at the time where we were out. But you know what? I didn't want to come back to the party because I wanted Danky Fish tacos, dude. And poutine fries. <laughs> poutine fries. So for me, I know he's thinking, how are we going to get back? And me, I'm thinking, dude, I'm not in any hurry here. Because You're I thinking, know, how many of these tacos am I going to eat? Well, I knew I was probably going to get one, but the poutine was great, too. I knew something was up when you guys were just chilling on the poutine fries. There was like a fourth of it left, and I was like, fine. You guys are just going to... You didn't think something was up. No, I did. I did when I realized that you guys were just kind of sitting back and letting me have all of it. I was like, It was just, we're treating you for your birthday. No, you guys knew that you were about to eat dinner. (laughs) (laughs) We ate good. But then we came back here, and you didn't even realize. Melissa 
was walking up to your house and you thought she was somebody for yeah, your Yeah, I saw neighbor. her, but I thought she was, yeah, somebody yeah. going to my neighbor's house. Yeah, so, and then we tricked you and then you walked in and happy birthday to you and we sang the song. And then a chicken landed on Joel. <laughs> <laughs> we played cornhole for hours in the dark and then a chicken landed on Joel's head. Yeah. Dude, it was a good party. You should have seen the Remember look. that party where the chicken landed on Joel's head? Yeah, you should have seen the look on his face when he heard the... <laughs> And then some talons were on it. Oh, man. Did he bleed? No. It's um, a chicken, dude. I don't know, do I? It's not a falcon. Well, they they sharp. I guess. <laughs> Riggs held the chicken under his arm. And played t- cornhole. Played cornhole with a chicken <laughs> under his arm. If nothing else, it made for some great videos to show up on my time hop in a year or two. Oh, that whole That whole weekend was great. Yeah. It was super good. So the best thing about that is reminding me what great friends I have. (laughs) And you know, there seems no better time to cherish the friends you have than before you're going to talk about something really controversial and scare off who knows how many of your friends. Or subscribers. Yeah, so for all of you out there, it's been fun. We, (laughs) We love you, and thank you so much for listening and for being great friends. And if you're a friend who has to dip out after this episode... No, 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 endure... Endure. Well, of course, I think they should give us endure. The benefit out because as soon as they see the title, I know they're gonna go either oh this one or they're gonna just skip on. No, and they're ho- gonna, hopefully they'll they're, listen. Nobody's skipping on. Keep, they're gonna listen. They'll, they'll listen and then decide from there. But what, what's our topic? So the topic is uh, oh, I forgot to highlight it and get it all set up. I'm embarrassed. Um, how does God feel about abortion? And what is the church's role politically in that? Okay. Uh, okay. So it's a that's a, that's a tangled web. Yeah, I'll um, say. So so let me take a step back. First of all, uh, I I I hate the idea. I hate the concept. I hate the phrase. Are you a single issue voter? Right? Do you know that one? Yeah. M- meaning, is, is your single issue abortion that you you vote on? And to begin with that, I mean, we did a politics episode, you know, before, and it's it's we talked about two kingdom theology. So it's very hard for me as a Christian to not have the kingdom of God informing how I vote and how I interact politically and not be, at least on this issue, it'd it be a major, major, major emphasis and focus of how I vote and think and act politically, right? Yeah, absolutely. So as, as we're, we're moving on with this, with this particular issue and we're thinking through this subject, the question, the first thing the questioner asks is, what is God's view of abortion, right? And I think that that's... To be fair, I mean, I already started a little bit, but to be fair, we have to start there, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think we have to say that God has created everybody and created all people in his image. And he cares about babies and little children, and he cares about single moms and cares about people who are in financial straits and he cares about people who um, are just wanting to continue to live in their affluent lifestyle and not be hampered down 
by having a kid. God has created everybody in the image of God. And because he's created everybody in his image, we can't at all in any way, shape, or form take that lightly. That has to be the overriding informing principle when we come to this particular topic, that babies are have and are created in the image of God, that they have every bit of value and dignity and worth and importance as you, as me, as any other person who lives because they are image bearers of God Almighty. Right. Um, I think, yeah, there's so many terms that I feel like need to be defined and people feel the need to redefine. And I feel like on this issue, it's a lot of people talking past each other um, where you talk about people who are pro-life versus pro-choice. Um, you know, and we talk about, um, you know, fighting for the unborn where the other side might talk about fighting for women's rights. When you see people who are opposed on this issue, they're talking about different things when, you know, they're saying pro or con, like even the terms, they're not the same. It's not apples to apples. They're not antithetical. Exactly. Right. Right. Exactly. And so I think, especially for us, like having or like sitting here going to be falling on the same side of this issue, I, I kind of wish that we had somebody here who was of an opposite view just to have a fair fight, I guess, um, because of that, because there's so much like defining terms and things like that, that we're just, I mean, not going to be comfortable defining for other people, I don't think. Well, we we, we don't have that. So I, I and what what I would encourage anybody who's listening, who would consider themselves on the pro-choice side of this particular issue is to um, inform yourself. And maybe you have, I don't, I'm not presuming that you haven't, but I'm encouraging you to um, look up what an abortion actually is, what it entails. You can see videos. It's pretty graphic. I'll just be perfectly honest. It's it's gory, and in my opinion, it's horrific. Um, and I, I don't want to know if I, I want how I mean how in depth do we want to go on that kind of thing? I'm not sure. Um, one statistic that just came up real recently was in the last year, 2017, worldwide, 58 million children were aborted. That's one in four. A quarter of the world's babies who were conceived last year ended in abortion. And that isn't just first world countries. That isn't just third world countries. That's the entire planet. And that statistic is shocking to me that that many abortions would be taking place and it's, it, it's, and let's be honest, there's that many babies dying. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's, it, it is babies. Um, we use the term fetus when it suits the purpose, but I think any woman who has been pregnant and knows what that feels like within your womb, you don't instinctively use the word fetus. <laughs> 
you instinctively use the word baby. There's, it's within us that we know what that is, and it's a child. And it's almost like, I'm getting ahead of myself, I guess, a little bit here, but we have to, you know, talk ourselves out of that. I remember when, you know, Jonathan, when we found out he was sick, um, one of the first things one of our close family members said is, so you're going to get an abortion, right? And it was just assumed, like, this is going to happen, right? And when we said no, um, it did alienate us from not only that particular individual, but a good part of that part of the family because they came from, they were coming from a different perspective where that this pregnancy, you should just be done with it and move on with your life. And, you know, we couldn't do that. We believe that Jonathan, even though he was sick, was an image bearer of God. And we chose to let natural course play out we didn't artificially hook him up to machines or anything and, you know, let his life go the course that the Lord had set out or, you know, however we want to phrase it. But um, that was never an option in our mind. And, and you know, as hard as that was, I wouldn't go back and trade that for anything. Right. And I think that a lot of protest to some views like ours where, you know, we would say that abortion is wrong are going to be the extreme cases, right? What happens when a woman is raped and she ends up being pregnant? Um, what, like uh, the example that you used where your son, like you knew before he was born that he was going to have um, issues. Um, you know, the, the cases where um, it's going to be life-threatening to the, the woman bearing the child, things like that. I feel like these are the, the extreme examples that you hear in favor of abortion most commonly because they know that we're just going to talk about, like, that's, that's a person. Right, right. So the, the, the common thing that happens is, is uh, it's convenience. Right. And let's be honest. I, I think that's it. It's it's right. There's in, not hundreds and hundreds of thousands of these extreme cases that we're talking right, about. Right, right, very, very, very few. Um, and so, for the most part, it's it's I can't afford this right now, and whatever that means, if it's financially or career wise, or you know, you're a student in college, that I can't afford this particular event to happen right now. So. So this is where I think the church has really dropped the ball. Um, in the first part and towards the end of the 20th century, there was such a stigma on single moms that the church didn't come alongside and help them and so they sought help the only other place they could, and they found help in the government. And the government provided for them, the government helped them, and then the government helped them get abortions. And that's what fueled a lot of that um, political ideology on the left that gets us to where we're at right now. And I know that's a simplistic way, I know, but this is a podcast. 
We're we're not we're we're not going through in depth detail and you know political. This isn't a history lesson. Right, right, right. We're so I get I'm painting with a broad brush. If we were sitting down talking, I definitely we could go back and forth more with specifics. But where the church dropped the ball, and that's not even the right way to say it. The church sucks. The church screwed up. The church is in sin. I'll just be honest. The church has been in sin in this area where they haven't come alongside single moms and said, okay, whatever happened, however you got in this situation, you know, whatever, we, you know, we, we want to show you grace. So we want to support you. We want to help you. We want to provide. We want to help you get a job. We want to prov- help you watch your kids. We want to provide that child care. If the church had come alongside and had actually st- stood up and done what they should have done as people who love Jesus Christ. Jesus loved single moms. Jesus loved women who were in very difficult, horrible situations and had treated those women with the dignity and respect that befits them. Boy, this conversation just would not be what it is today. I really believe that. They had a lapse in grace. They did. And you know my heart. I mean, I, I... I would love someday, big picture, Sovereign Joy Christian Fellowship, having a house where we can provide a place for single moms to be there to raise their kids so they don't feel the burden that they feel in the society at large, that they can raise their kids, they can even go out and have a part-time job or whatever they need to do to make ends meet, and and we're going to provide and we're going to help and there's going to be child care and there's going to be this this fellowship of understanding, this fellowship of grace. And, and the church has th- this massive black eye. And what we're trying to do right now, it feels like to me, is scramble up a muddy hill, you know? Is, is you know, th- there's this looming large thing called pro-choice and, and we're trying to scramble up the side of it and our arguments, although they're weighty and they're persuasive, they don't have the emotion. And that's the muddy hill, is the emotional factor that comes along with women saying, you don't have the right to tell me what I can choose or not to choose to do with my body. And, and as Pastor Pat, I might not myself personally, I can certainly point to Scripture, and I can certainly point to God. Because you're right, at the end of the day, you're not accountable to me, but you're accountable to God. Now, having said that, that sounds kind of harsh in this uh, context. Honestly, I, I think I would end up being more harsh, though, and not because I want to be, but just talking about how the government has no right to tell you what you can do with your body. The government tells you what you can or can't do with your body all the time. All the time. All yeah. the time. There's regulations on medication. When you go to the doctor, there are all kinds of things that they won't let you do. You can't, you know, like, oh, what's it called? Assisted euthanization. Euthanasia, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you can't do whatever you want with your body. Um, obviously, we could talk about drugs and we could talk about, you know, if you try to commit suicide, like, they're not just going to let you do that. And I guess that's the same thing as the assisted or self-assisted, whatever. Um, the government is in place to protect citizens, even when the citizens don't want to protect themselves. Right. And in this case, it's not just a woman in her body. Like we've talked about, there's another uh, body that's at stake here. Yeah. And, and, and so politically, I'm sorry to interrupt you. 
no, politically, I, I would say that, of course, that, that, that you're right. The government's responsibility is to protect the people, the citizens of this country, and to protect their property. And there is a person that is in the womb that is a citizen of the United States of America. The second they take their breath and they're on that certificate of birth, they're a citizen of this United States. And so... They're not a potential citizen. <laughs> you know, they're not a potential life. They're a life, and they're living. And so for me, politically speaking, I mean, that's what the questioner asked. When I have my two kingdoms perspective, and I have God's view of that particular person that's created in the image of God, I am compelled to say the government's responsibility is to protect that life as well as the life of the mother. Yeah. Yeah, and going back to the extreme cases that we talked about when a, a woman gets raped and maybe it's a 16 year old girl that gets raped and now she's pregnant and you know, she could be just this perfect little angel of a young lady and her life is different now. That's, that sucks. It's awful. It's tragic. Like we're going to call it exactly what it's horrific. It's everything terrible that you can imagine. But for us, knowing and trusting in the sovereignty of God that like we do, it, it sounds almost sick, but we, we have to trust that, that God has purpose in the things that happen. It's, it's unfortunate that, that there's so many people who th- their first thought isn't, okay, this horrible thing happened, but I know I can go to the church. I know I can go to the pastors and elders. I know I can go to the women in my congregation. That is tragic. That's almost as tragic that they would feel that alone, that stigmatized, that ostracized, that that the immediate first thing is this horrible thing happened to me. Therefore, and I'm going to say it, my first thought is to do another horrible thing. Well, yeah, but I, I guess I'm talking about kind of different things than that where it's not that, um, you know, they, they don't feel like they have any place to go. Cause in the, or, you don't think, well, I think that's plenty of it, but that's not what I'm talking about right now. Like if you have a girl who was raped and, and she has great parents, she has a place to go. Maybe she's embarrassed, of course. Um, and maybe she is confused and everything else. But even if she has a place to go, um, you know, like we talked about before, like she she's in high school and she wants to go to college and like she didn't plan for this and all these other things. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that's awful. And I don't, I don't want to make it simple. I don't want to say like, oh, God has purpose in it. So everything's OK. God has purpose in all kinds of things. I mean, shoot, Pat already talked about losing his son and I lost one as well, even though that I know God has purpose in those things. They are gut wrenching, and they—they're things that that never completely leave you. You're different from then on. I, I get it, but when we look and see the purpose that can come from terrible things, I mean, shoot, man. Like, sorry, Dad, but uh, like I, um, I was conceived out of wedlock. I don't think I was planned exactly. And so it would be easy, you know, for somebody to say that something didn't go according to plan, blah, blah, blah. And that's not the super, um, you know, salacious uh, example that I outlined before where it's rape or, you know, the mother is like uh, her life is in danger or something else like that. But the reality is, is in a lot of cases, 
the way that I was conceived, that ends in abortion a lot of the time. I'm really glad that that didn't happen. Right. I'm, right. I'm really, really glad that that didn't happen. And you know, who knows how many are true. I've never gone on Snopes or anything like that, but all of these right-wing you know, people who want to uh, go off of all these different examples of where people didn't abort a baby and it turned out awesome. Like one's Albert Einstein and one's Abraham Lincoln. And like, you know, they have all these examples of famous people who could have been and should have been aborted and they weren't. And whatever. I just use myself as like this great example of like, oh, what terrible thing could have happened. But the reality is there really are great, great things <laughs> and they have names that came to pass because abortions didn't happen. And yeah, I know that people get raped and they think, okay, so I'm going to have this baby that shares DNA with the piece of trash that did this to me. I can't even imagine what that must be like. And, you know, adoption, I'm not going to say that that girl shouldn't put up a baby for adoption. I'm not here to make that argument right now. I'm not going to shame a woman for putting a baby up for adoption or anything else. Um, and I know that you still have to go through nine months, and I know that it still ends up being expensive, and I know that there's all these different things, but at the end of the day, it, it, it is a life. And, and it did happen, and there is purpose in it as difficult as it is to fathom and as difficult as it is for me to say, sitting here, a male, like it's not lost on me that here we have two dudes talking about what a woman like can or can't well, or should here, or shouldn't do. I got to jump in here because some of what we're talking about are hypotheticals and they're, I have a hard time staying in that realm because hypotheticals don't inform hypotheticals emote. And I believe that that's the problem with this conversation is there's too much emotion attached to it where if we allow the principles to dictate when somebody comes to me and they are struggling and they're, they're broken you know, over what's just happened to them or that they've actually gone and done and now they're pregnant and which, which we've had, um, I'm going to, my principles are going to inform how I counsel, um, instruct, care for that particular individual. And, and the principles are, you know, God doesn't make mistakes. God is created every single person in his image, that that life has value and dignity and worth and meaning. And therefore, I, I can't think of a case where I would say, Oh yeah, you know what? Probably you should have an abortion. I, I, in every case, I'm gonna you know struggle with that because of those principles. Now, what do? How do we respond based upon those principles? Is going to be different in every case. Do we come alongside and financially support this person? Do we come alongside and provide counseling? Do we provide childcare? Do we provide food? Do we provide? Um, access to certain other programs that are around and available. Um, but you see the principles are going to inform rather than a hypothetical situation that's going to drum up the emotion. Well, I'm going to push back a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. They're all hypothetical. Because but, they're, but they're not. They're all actual when you're so, talking one-on-one -on -one with somebody who's been there. Well, I'm just saying, you and I can't talk about hardly anything 
Well, I can talk about the ones I've talked to. Well, right. Well, I'm just saying, like, I mean, I my examples aren't that hypothetical is all I'm trying to say. Um, like, did it happen to me? No. But are they hypothetical? Like, no. No, but 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 again, the principles would inform how I would counsel. All I'm saying is, those situations. is, I don't think we we're getting too carried away with hypotheticals. That's all I was saying. No, I get that, but 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 hypotheticals are not an answer. We're, the question demands an answer. We have to go to principles to provide the answer. Have we not? That's done what that? I'm saying. No, but that's what I'm saying. Is that we? What we need to do is we need to. Have you know? Take a step back, and and give the principles that give the answers. And and I'm I'm real hesitant to go down the road of hypotheticals. I mean, we've both told stories, sure, and every single story is going to be different. But what we can't do, I don't think, is leave the end of this discussion in the realm of these emotional stories. We have to end the discussion where we began, and that's with. Everybody is, has the image of God. And every single life that exists, every single human child has value and dignity and worth because of that. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing that I feel like a lot of the time on these uh, questions, we kind of end up with kind of a hot take. where yeah. We're going to say something that people don't really expect us to say, or maybe they walk away thinking like, oh, I've never heard a Christian say something like that before. Reality is, you're not going to really get that from us on this one. Well, I, I well, a, the, a little bit disagree because I, I'm, I'm saying that the government has had to step in with social programs where the church should have been providing them all along. That's true. And so I think that's a black eye on Christianity, um, and, and I don't, and I don't want to minimize that. I want to own it and say, yeah, Christians have sucked in this area and have screwed up in this and are still yeah. continuing to screw up and make bad, stupid, knee-jerk decisions or decisions based upon tradition rather than allowing the principles that we're trying to communicate to inform how do we graciously love this person who's either sinned or been sinned against or maybe both. And I would have a lot more understanding if I didn't really believe that it came from a sense of pride that they don't want a bunch of knocked up women in their pews out of wedlock, that they get some kind of pride or they get some kind of shame based on who's sitting in their pews, which is just insane. Um, they have an opportunity. Insane is they the have right an, word. Right? Yeah. But I do think that that's a big reason why they haven't taken the opportunity. And yes, that's what I just said, an opportunity to show grace in the way that we've been shown grace. I mean, my word, look around in the gospels for goodness sake. Do you not see Jesus dealing with these women caught in adultery and with all, all manner of just, you know, too hot for TV sins. Like, do you really think that the, these women who are in front of you are any different than the people who Jesus said, go in peace to like, really? Yeah, no, now you're getting me fired up. <laughs> and and you know what? We I, I I say bring them. <laughs> if 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 woman who's listening to this it, it, church sucks. And 
I know the church has hurt so many women in so many ways. And, and, and I think that we, we deserve a lot of the crap that we get from people. But if you listen to this, I, I want you to know that the heart of Christ and the heart of somebody who really knows Christ and knows grace is that we love you and we don't condemn you. And our heart is that we would want to support people who are in those difficult situations that we are not presuming that we understand. If we're presuming anything, it's that there go we, but by the grace of God, and that we want to come alongside and put our arm around you and do everything we can to help and support. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I got anything to add to that. We believe you belong. 